Star Wars 7x7, episode 811. Today it's a very selective and abbreviated biography of Dave Filoni, the man behind the Clone Wars and Rebels TV series. Punch it, Chewie. Hey, I'm Anthony Bresnikan, covering the Star Wars galaxy for Entertainment Weekly, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and Dave Filoni is in what some would say is an enviable position. He is, in a way, an heir apparent to George Lucas at Lucasfilm. Now, you can talk about the Lucasfilm story group all you want, and Pablo Hidalgo really refers to them more as a hub through which creatives connect and talk about the stories that they want to tell and connect them to resources and consider whether there are other stories that are already being told that might overlap it, discuss what kinds of themes are going to be pursued in any stories that creatives want to tell, and that sort of thing. But if there's one person walking around Lucasfilm right now who has a deeper sense of the Star Wars universe than anyone else, I would have to say it's probably Dave Filoni. Now, you could make a case for Leland Chi from the database perspective. You could make a case for Pablo Hidalgo from the perspective of having written about the Star Wars universe for as many years as he has. But I think in terms of the nature of the characters, the nature of the Force, the story arcs that are being told, that sort of thing, I think Dave Filoni is it. And, you know, there was a discussion during the Rogue One panel at Star Wars Celebration Europe where when they were showing photos, they showed Dave Filoni on set for Rogue One. And Gareth Edwards made a comment to the effect of, you know, when the man in the cowboy hat is there behind you, you know everything is going to be okay. And that kind of goes in stark contrast to when George Lucas actually visited and Gareth Edwards was nervous about that sort of visit. So now maybe it's because, of course, Lucas has a certain reputation and a certain gravitas to him that Dave Filoni in his career just hasn't gotten to yet because, you know, he hasn't been at it as long as Lucas has and he wasn't the one who founded the thing in the first place. So, yeah, maybe there is, you know, an apples to oranges comparison that's being drawn there. But by all accounts, it seems like George Lucas ended up grooming Dave Filoni to be the heir apparent. He's the one who was brought in and interviewed by Lucas to do the Clone Wars cartoon series when there wasn't even really a Lucasfilm animation to begin with. It was just getting off the ground. They've had deep conversations about the nature of the Force and about the expanded universe and what it really represents and a whole host of other things that we can't even begin to imagine. But we've seen and heard, you and I, some of the bits and pieces here and there. We've gotten peeks in to be able to jump to the inference that Dave Filoni really has been groomed as the person to take over the vision of the Star Wars universe in a way that is closer to what George Lucas had than anyone else has right now. So as far as Dave goes, I'm only going to give you the highlights here, but there's a terrific extended interview with Dave Filoni from the Star Wars show, and I will embed that video at the blog post for this show's episode at SW7X7.com. It's almost an hour long, but it is worth every minute of it. The conversation is just terrific between him and Andy Gutierrez, who co-hosts the Star Wars show. But what I will tell you here is that he grew up in Mount Lebanon, a suburb near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Some of this is from the interview. Some of this is available on his Wikipedia, not Wikipedia in this case, his Wikipedia page. His parents were artists in their own right and were introducing him to artistic influences at a very early age. He eventually decided that animation was the way to go when he had an experience on a field trip in his junior year of high school where 
he had been taking art classes. They took him out to, you know, his whole class to meet a working artist. And the artist, who was not always selling paintings, said that when he needed money and couldn't get the money by selling paintings, he would go out and pump gas. And as a result of this, Filoni, who seems to be a very practical thinker in this way, started thinking about animation as an option because it seemed like, as opposed to trying to make a living as an artist on one's own, that there was some structure to be had by working in an animation studio because it seemed like it would be an actual, quote-unquote, real job. So he wound up working on King of the Hill, the TV show from Mike Judge that was very highly acclaimed over its run. And even though it seemed like the... (laughs) animation style was you know rough and crude and whatnot that there's actually a lot of artistry that goes into it something that he says is not necessarily appreciated in the world and yeah I guess you know it would be hard to see on the one hand from the outside but you know it takes a lot of work to make something look the way it does and to give something an unfinished look as it were when it's really been finished and it's finished to look that specific way yeah that's not an easy thing to do. And it seems he did not get pigeonholed in the animation field. He was actually learning about all sorts of different aspects of the animation process. Everything from doing background art to layout to voice direction and animation direction and in-betweening and timing and all these other things about animation and how it works. That ended up being, I guess you would say, a jack-of-all-trades if you could. And it ended up serving him very well. And he also, as a result of this, decided that you know, actually doing the art, doing the animating wasn't necessarily where his passion was. His passion was in the directing and the telling of stories. So eventually, friends of his started doing the Avatar The Last Airbender series. They created it and invited him to come along and work on it. And he lobbied to direct the first hour of the show and ended up doing a lot of directing in their first season. And in the midst of their working relationship, they, of course, talked about Star Wars as one does because, you know, if you're a certain generation, you probably don't stop talking about it, or at least it finds its way into many conversations. And he was able to blow the minds of the people that he was working with with his way of looking at the prequel trilogy because he was definitely not a prequel trilogy hater. He actually digs the whole midichlorian thing, even though he says not everybody likes to talk about it. And you could jump to the conclusion that people even at Lucasfilm are a little wary about talking about it. But he was able to share with his friends his way of thinking about the prequels, which was so mind-blowing, apparently, that when the opportunity to interview with Lucasfilm Animation came around, one of his friends quietly recommended that they reach out to Dave Filoni and said, Dave Filoni's the guy. Like, we don't have anybody else to recommend. He is the guy you want. So he interviewed, and he interviewed with George Lucas eventually, and says he didn't actually say all that much in the interview, which is, you know, not necessarily a strategy per se. It doesn't sound like he intentionally went in there saying that he had a strategy of just, you know, keeping his mouth shut as much as possible or anything like that. Uh, He just went in to, you know, have a good conversation and say, like, wow, this is great. I got to meet George Lucas. And and didn't think about anything more than just the interview itself, he said. He didn't think that he really had a shot at the job, but he was the guy. He really was, and got the job pretty much immediately after he had the interview. That job being starting up the Clone Wars cartoon series. And now it's been practically a decade, if not slightly more, that he's been working for Lucasfilm Animation. And he had a significant amount of time working side by side with George Lucas and said that he had worked to get to the point where when they were submitting episodes for Lucas to check out and review that he would have no comments, nothing that he could possibly say to you know make changes to the episode or anything like that to get a perfect episode. And they actually did it 
with the second episode of the first season, which is Rising Malevolence. That's the one where Plo Koon and a bunch of clones find themselves trapped in an escape pod for the majority of the episode. Technically speaking, it's not really just the second episode because there was, of course, the Clone Wars movie, which was basically four episodes kind of stitched together, and then there was one ahead of Rising Malevolence in the first season. And that is assuming that they were all produced in the chronological order in which they were released which is not always the case so at the very least sixth episode into their production possibly more roughly speaking that they finally got one that george was able to say this is a perfect episode because every scene has a purpose and lucas was very deliberate about his storytelling methods and it actually makes me want to take a look at particularly the phantom menace in a different way because if lucas is considering that every single scene has a purpose then the one thing that I've often wondered about, which is the pod race, you know, why is that there? And I know Lucas loves his cars, he loves his races, he loves all that sort of thing. But there has to be a purpose to having a whole three-lap race appear in everything. And I'd like to take some time to reconsider that in light of this conversation. But in the meantime, coming up, we have Star Wars Rebels Season 3. And in thinking about Season 3... It's interesting to note that Dave Filoni talks specifically about not getting into a lot of Star Wars as part of his preparation or his inspiration for what he does, that he's actually looking thing, looking at things outside Star Wars because, as he notes in that interview, that if you take only your influences from within Star Wars, things get very narrow and that Star Wars actually works better when you're able to draw outside influences into it. And I think that's borne out by the original Star Wars itself, which drew from many external influences that were not necessarily sci-fi related in order to create such a tremendous motion picture. And we're about to find out what he has in store for us very soon, Saturday evening, in fact. So we are almost there. And before we get there, we've got two other episodes to do. One of them we're going to be talking about the fate of Ahsoka Tano, and Dave has actually made some comments about that that we will share with you in tomorrow's episode. Saturday, we are going to share predictions for what's going to happen in Rebels Season 3, and then, of course, Saturday night, the episode debuts, and Sunday, we will be breaking it down for you. So that's what's on tap for the next couple of days. As far as the next couple of minutes, though, I've got a trivia question and answer for you after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Rouser, you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you gotta do is go to audibletrial.com slash sw7x7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com slash sw7x7. Hey, welcome back. Here's your trivia question and answer for you. May the force be with us. Last time I asked you what Ray does while eating dinner that would be considered rude in polite company, and that's she licks her plate. Today's question, where do we hear the Wilhelm scream in The Force Awakens? Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you force choke your captain, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you like what you've been hearing, support the podcast at patreon.com slash SW7x7. It's not an apology, it's destiny unleashed.
This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.